Welcome back to another episode of Chasing 1969, a New York Jets podcast. It is Thursday, September 22nd. Teddy, do you remember the 21st night of September? Because that is when we are recording this. Great song. My name is Blake Pace, alongside Teddy Pristash from upstate New York. Make and the sure Jets won this we get... week, motherfucker. <laughs> okay, we're just getting right into it. Go right ahead. <laughs> I just had to get into it. Oh you my gosh. Now. No, you're right. You're right. We're, we're going to get to the win. We're going to get to how Teddy's feeling this week. We're going to, uh, you know, recap the Cleveland Jets game, preview the Jets Bengals game. Before we do that, though, make sure to follow us on Twitter at NYJ underscore chasing 69. The YouTube page is the same channel. Teddy is at Teddy Huncho. I'm at Blake Andrew Pace. Make sure to check out my work at Sports Illustrated as well, too. Teddy. What victory up? victory Wednesday, I guess, is what we're calling it's, this. Hey, it's, recording. A it's, it's a week, victory man. week. Victory How week. How are you doing? Take us through it. That's where we're obviously got to start this. A Jets win in September, up to one and one. It wasn't pretty, but it's a win. Yeah, yeah. It was not pretty, but at the moment, that's not what matters. What matters is that somehow the New York Jets actually figured out how to win a game which was just like so electric and awesome to watch and enjoyable as a fan who watches every game thinking they can win. Um, First September win since 2018, Sam Darnold's first game as a jet. I think that is what makes this so special is that realistically, when you look at, you know, kind of the Joe Douglas era, these last three years, sure. You know, they had seven wins, Right. Maybe I'm off a year. The first year with Gase. Yeah. Right. They Mm -hmm. had seven wins. And then the next year, you know, six and then the next one, four. So. Like, sure, they've won some games, but not a single one of those games has ever mattered because they've all come once the Jets were already. Oh, and five, oh, and six, one and seven, one and eight, whatever it may be. So the fact that we are sitting here at five hundred for the first time since that 2018 season is just, it's awesome. Like I, I, I can't remember last time I saw the jets at one and one you know, and it's just, it, it, it does feel good. Is it, it is exciting. Did you enjoy the game Blake this weekend? Yeah. Well, so I finally got to watch it. Um, I watched the first half yesterday, second half today, I was um, working Sunday and usually I'm working and I've got enough staff there where I can sit in the back, but I didn't this past Sunday. I was actually, it was just me and one other person. So I had to stay up front. I did turn my cash register at the store into Sunday ticket. So I just would go back and forth between cashing people out and that trying so to watch funny. Sunday ticket. And then Sunday <laughs> ticket crashed for like a quarter and a half. Yes. So, so that annoying. sucked. So I really missed a lot of the game on Sunday. Obviously, the reaction um, was fun to see, you know, on Jets Twitter. I got to watch the game and, um, you know, I, you know, I watched the condensed version on Game Pass. And look, it's it's one of those ones where it's like, how can you not be happy about that? To pull out a win. There were so many guys that, you know, either have been off to shaky careers with the Jets so far or a rough start to the season that really, you know, played huge roles in the end of that game. You know, you think Braden Mann with the the onside kick and the great game that he had in general, two punts inside the 20, uh, the fake punt pass. Um, I love the punt. You know, Ashton Davis, Ashton Davis getting the game winning game ceiling interception over Jacoby Brissett. There was, it, there was just a lot of cool moments within that game. Um, you know, we'll talk about it's the game itself and the team itself. And I, I, it's a not it's a little bit of a different tone but nonetheless after the season after the way the season started in Baltimore where it just looked really rough offensively 
Um, the adjustments that were made, you can tell this team is slowly figuring out what it is with Joe Flacco in this moment. And it was it was a really cool, really cool game. Definitely. Definitely. Nice. And uh, it's it's funny because, you know, like we're we're obviously going to get into the game more specifically. And, um, you know, there's there's pros and cons. There's things that definitely could have gone a lot better. The Jets got very lucky in this game and ended up winning in in historic fashion you know i think it's something like 2000 games since the last uh since the last 14 point comeback with less than two minutes left um so so you know it wasn't a perfect effort by any means there's a lot this jets team still needs to work on but what is so awesome is everything that we've said about you know just be competitive just stay in games look like a real nfl team you know, that is definitely how the majority of Sunday felt, um, mm-hmm. even towards the end of the game where it was feeling pretty helpless. The fact that we were, you know, tied going into halftime, staying with them, moving the ball, it, 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 it you know, the Jets seemed like they were just a regular old NFL team as opposed to the worst NFL yeah. team, which was which was a great, great, great feeling. Um but yeah, I I, I do kind of want to get in. Well, well, do you do you have anything no, else? No, go say ahead. I was we... listening. I was listening to you. No, yeah, I just I I do kind of want to just talk about like how things weren't actually as great as as you know they may seem when you see that the Jets won a game. Yeah. Um, just because, and I I I've said this to you and to my dad and and really to anyone who will listen, but it, it's so hilarious to me. And the NFL is always like this, where it's so results oriented. You know, if if guys are winning, they're winners. They're great. If guys are losing, they're not good enough. You know, you think about the Bengals with Zach Taylor. Zach Taylor was on the chopping block for two years, you know, and then now going into this season, seemed to have very secure in his position, you know, just because they went to the Super Bowl. Um so it's funny because this Jets game, you know, we're a minute 55 seconds away where Nick Chubb taking a knee at the one yard away from losing this game 17 to 30, you know, scoring only three points in the second half. And the tone from Jets fans would have then been, OK, well, here's another game. Even though we started off competitively, we didn't make anything happen in the second half. We shot ourselves in the foot continuously. You know, the defense was letting up big plays. And here we are, you know, with another subpar offensive showing. And then somehow, you know, that's not what ends up happening. And and the Browns, listen, you got to play the game. They gave you those opportunities and the Jets did have to go out there and take them. It's not like the game was given to them by any means, but there were plenty of opportunities that didn't need to be presented to them um, that were. So, so yeah, I mean, it was awesome. It was awesome, but still a lot of things to clean up. I totally agree. You want to get into those things to clean yes, up? Yes, I do. Okay, I do. Perfect. Let's talk We're... about the, uh, I guess, I don't know, the end of the game. Well, I was going to ask you, did you want to talk about the offense in particular, or the defense in particular? How did you want to go through this? Do you want to go through like by a quarter or what do you think is the easiest way? Because there were so many different parts of this game that, you know, if you separate offense and defense, I think that's one way, but also just the the momentum swings throughout it as well too are pretty. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. What do you think? Let's yeah. Let's take one side of the ball at a time. All right. Would you rather right. would you rather start with the offense or the defense? Let's start with the defense. They can't tackle. <laughs> no, they cannot. No. And that 
has been a problem. Yeah, I we don't I I, I don't want to start off with that necessarily. That's just it's I I have that maybe four or five different times in here in in my notes for the game where it's just in my second note tackling sucks and that's like four down tackling still sucks and then on the backside it's like do they know how to tackle Kareem Hunt? Um, there there were so many good parts from this defense that I that I really did enjoy in this game. So I want to touch on those first and and the tackling is just a joke because it's been a joke. It's been a joke with the Jets for a while, so I don't think we need to keep harping on that. They have always just struggled bringing guys down. What I loved that I saw, and I think Cleveland has a stronger offensive line than Baltimore, the defensive tackles were moving the middle of the football field. They were not getting anything on the ground game up there. You know, I, And I want to say, like when I say this, it's 85 to 90% of the time. Obviously, there are going to be plays where – you know, uh, Chubb breaks through the middle for a nice eight yard gain. Like it wasn't just shut down all day, but from early on through the full 60 minutes, the defensive tackles were creating pressure up the middle. Quinn and Williams has been an absolute Amazing. stud. He has looked yep. like one of the better defensive tackles in all of football to start off this year. Um, he is just always in the backfield, always disrupting in the run game, chasing down guys as well too. So I've loved what we've seen from the interior. Um, those guys were fantastic. Have you been your thoughts, I guess, on the edge presence two weeks in what, what are your thoughts on that? Very, 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 very underwhelming. Right. Um, Isn't that my, weird? Yes, it is. Um, my biggest takeaway from the jets so far, especially like defensively has just been that we still, the pass rush is just kind of still non-existent, you know, like, yeah. These guys, it was a little bit better in the Ravens game, but especially in this Browns game, it really did feel like, like Brissett had enough time to do what he had to do. And then in most scenarios where we did get pressure, he was able to kind of move himself out of the pocket or get rid of the ball. And a lot of times that led to like a big play, like where he managed to find an open receiver down the field. And that kind of, I mean, that was my biggest kind of uh, criticism of the Jets last year is just the inability to, even when they did get one guy to the quarterback, because they didn't have any type of contain, the quarterback could just roll out and make something happen. And that is really what what um, what it felt like on Sunday. I, I think that when we're for a while in that game, it kind of reminded me of like last year's defense where it did just kind of feel like they could do whatever they wanted. You know, they were running the Mm -hmm. ball. Well, they were passing the ball about, especially rewatching it. That's not fully true. Like they did have a pretty decent game and, and, you know, they were getting penalties um, that were, that were helping the Browns out too, but it just, it, it it wasn't good enough. And especially after week one, it wasn't what I was expecting to see from the defense um, just because it, 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 you know, you could see that that there's there's issues there, and I think that the mm-hmm. the pass rush is the number one thing. And we'll get into the Bengals game yesterday, but I think that or later, but I think that's going to be the most important thing there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess last thing I'll say is just the Browns do have like the best line in the league, so that yeah. is one one place to take of some course. solace. Yeah. And, and, you know, the strength of their offensive line is their tackle play. So if there's one thing where you're going to take a look at and say, you know, if there's a strength, you know, if there's a, a, a reason beyond the Jets lacking the talent there, it's that they have two of the best tackles, uh, Jedrick Wills, and then they've got um, 
It's the other fuck. Is it Conklin? No, 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 no. Oh, I'm not going to remember it. I'm not going to get to it, but they've got two really great tackles. Um, So I guess at the end of the day, that is something where you can say, well, we look ahead to Cincinnati right now, their tackles don't look all that great. So maybe that is the, the breakaway game for the edge rushers that really gets things started. But you're right. As deep as I, as we talked about and as excited as we were about the position group, it has lacked, I guess, in terms of production two weeks in. And you're right. There were some plays. And, and even on the game ceiling one, uh, on the Bursette interception to, to finish the game, he rolled out again. And previously in the drive, he had rolled out and gotten like a 15-yard run. And you're like, how many times are they going to let this happen? Obviously, mm-hmm. it goes a, a lucky break their way with Davis uh, cutting across um, in front of Amari Cooper there. But yeah, yeah I've been... I- I think the Jets ended with two sacks total, which, you know, you just, you want to see that higher. Um, But I will say they were in, you know, very key situations. So that's another positive there, but, but yeah, I just, I think it's, it's been interesting, especially we spent all off season, you know, talking about what the ability of this pass pass rush was going to be and how kind of we were scared for defending the run and, and kind of what you said earlier, the Browns, did their work on the ground, you know, and Nick Chubb got in the yeah. end zone a bunch of times, but, but overall, I mean, I think the jets played pretty well against the run in general mm-hmm, in this definitely. game. Um, mm-hmm. And they did in, in the Ravens game as well. So it is just kind of interesting where, where pass rush has been kind of our biggest weakness so far with the D line. Yeah, definitely. Another thing that um, I guess a, a good and a bad attached to it, the, um, the linebackers in the secondary, man, they are fast as fuck. The only problem with their aggressiveness is that they do, and this is, you know, most teams that play this style, they bite way too hard on on misdirection and play action. And that was a big cause. And a big thing that Stefanski ended up implementing in as the game went on was a ton of misdirection, a ton of play action that opened up some shots to Amari Cooper there too. But all things considered a solid day from the secondary. What did you think what you saw out of Reed, um, you know, sauce, um, and then the safety play as well too? Yeah, I, I think this is kind of the uh, the tale of two position groups. You know, I think the, yeah. the cornerbacks were awesome and have been awesome. Um, Sauce, you know, if, uh, he had a few times where where Amari Cooper got the better of him, but a lot of them were in zone kind of coverages where it wasn't fully his responsibility, things like that. Um, and But him and DJ Reed, I thought, were outstanding. And I think DJ mm-hmm. Reed has far exceeded maybe not exceeded because I thought he was going to be good but he has just really been like that guy um Mm -hmm. which has been awesome to see uh the safeties I think had a really rough day especially in secondary in the or uh I forgot what I was gonna say no I think I was just being confused but (laughs) but they just or I was gonna say especially in the passing game because oh, they okay. they just continuously were were just like missed assignments, you know that that oh Amari Cooper the touchdown was just touchdown. another missed assignment from where Sauce was trying to. This time it was Jordan Whitehead was trying to pass it off to him, and yep. you know he kind of takes a step forward and set it back, and he's wide open. Um, mm-hmm. And you know Jordan Whitehead had some missed tackles, which you know he is kind of an overly aggressive guy, but that's not what you want to see. Um, Both of um whitehead and lamarcus joiner led the um all players in football in week two and missed tackles they each had four missed tackles nobody had more than three in the rest that's of the league. great that's crazy great. yeah so rough day from rough day from the safeties you know and um i don't know you 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 can see where this defense's strengths and weaknesses are 
you know, yeah. and, and their strengths in the passing game are on the outside and their weaknesses are on the inside, you know, and, and if you can get, you know, one of your better players, line them up in the slot and get one of those linebackers or get, um, you know, Tony Adams or one of these safeties on you, it, it's, it's something that teams are going to look to, to exploit. Um, I'm not fully out. It's not like I'm like really worried about Jordan Whitehead. I think he'll be fine, but you know, he's not, he's not like a well-known coverage guy. He's more of the big mm -hmm. hitter and LaMarcus Joyner has been underwhelming. So that's definitely, I think lack of pass rush is second. And then the safety play has been the number one concern so far with this defense overall. Totally agree. And we thought the safety room was going to be a little bit questionable, albeit we probably thought a little bit more with Jordan Whitehead being in, involved. Um, both of those two, by the way, also saw and PFF grades. I don't know where people stand on these days. I feel like people people love PFF grades when it plays into the argument they're making right. and they hate PFF and they shit on it when it goes against what they think. So with us saying the safeties have been playing bad. They are both in the bottom five of safeties in football right now in terms of individual grade, I believe. Um, Joiner is third worst and Whitehead is fifth worst. That was before the Monday night game. So if it's changed since then, uh, I apologize. But both of those two kind of from what we've seen, uh, it backs it up there that this is a position group where it's not it's not the most crucial. But like you said, in, in a passing league now, your safety is being able to help out in the passing game is is crucial and like yep. i said that second touchdown to amari cooper another missed coverage it's it's like the the safety room is almost due for a couple of those a game now so when we look ahead to next week in a little bit and we take a look at the talented playmakers that they're going to be up against you need to have joiner and whitehead step it up definitely um let's see you know other things with the defense they're they got a little sloppy later in the game especially um you know there were obviously missed tackles beforehand as well too couple of huge kareem hunt runs and then one of the biggest momentum flips back for the jets was Quan alexander and jordan whitehead because he wrapped up the ankle came flying in on a kareem hunt first down run set up second and long we end up getting the, the jets end up getting the ball back um, but just like a a huge momentum changer and Quan, as we said, the guy that we waited for for months to become a Jet, and we were slowly ramping up his performance, he's looked fantastic. Yeah. Um, and, and it's been a huge plus to the linebacker room. Anything with those guys individually? No, not really. Um, I feel it's like been... the linebackers are so easy to just kind of like get lost in the sauce. Yeah. And, and, you know, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't think they've been a weakness. I, I don't, I don't think that. Um, I think CJ Mosley has looked good overall. I think Quincy Williams has looked fine. Um, and yeah. I think Quan has been out there making plays. So, you know, obviously I'm sure there's more to it than that, but, but for yeah. me in terms of linebackers, they're not, they're not killing me by any means. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of fine with them. And I like to see, you know, we had that whole kind of, preseason like Quan's still not the starter like uh, right he's might as well just make him the starter like what's going on um and then you know he was out there week one so uh yeah. nothing to worry about there but uh, yeah it, it's been good to see him just he's kind of one of those guys so far for me um just multiple times has kind of like jumped out off the film you know jumped off the screen and been like wow like that was a big play you know so mm -hmm. anything else with the defense before we move things over to the offense no, no, let's get into it. Um, I think there's only one place to start, and that's with my new king, Garrett Wilson. Go off. 
talk about is he the king i i don't know it's just it's you know so garrett wilson came out this week had eight eight receptions 102 yards two touchdowns um on 14 targets you know was out there was the clear target leader um and what i think is so interesting is when you look at the the amount of snaps that these guys are on the field for the the depth chart is still very clearly you know elijah moore Corey davis garrett wilson you know that's how it goes and that's how those guys play but despite all that garrett wilson number one i said on last week's episode the number one thing i'm looking for is they need to be looking to get him involved and when he's in looking to get him the ball they most certainly did that um and what what people always say targets are an earned stat this is two weeks in a row where basically you know i don't have the numbers but but garrett wilson's targets per route run have got to be pretty high because two weeks in a row where he's playing 55 60 percent of the game and you know he's dominating in, in targets and to me it's just so exciting because we drafted this guy at 10th overall to be you know a great premier wide receiver that's what you hope for and obviously you, it doesn't always work out that way but so far the path for what we hope this receiver room is is right in front of us you know and it's Garrett Wilson establishing him himself as a clear number one I'm the type of guy that you build a game plan around um, receiver then you have Elijah Moore who while maybe his numbers don't look as great has been consistently getting open, has been consistently making plays when the Jets need it. He had three receptions. All of them, I believe, were on third down. That 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 may not be true, but they were all in big moments where we needed a play. Um, and then, in my opinion, Corey Davis is, is kind of that perfect third fiddle. Look to him when you need something secure. Um, yeah. You know, he he's another guy who's made a few plays kind of when we really needed them. Um, so for Garrett Wilson to be taking the step forward already just has me so excited because it, 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 it is why we drafted him and it, and it, you see where this jets um, how this jets offense is really hoping to look and where they can look. And then you add in the fact that, you know, we started getting Conklin uh, involved and he had a good game from the tight end spot. And we have Brees Hall and Michael Carter who have both looked outstanding. It, you really do start to see like this offense has the pieces to, you know, make something happen at any moment because if you, they have playmakers that can kind of bust it up, bust it open. Um, But yeah, man, Garrett Wilson, rookie of the year. Let's make it happen. I like it. I like it. Look with, with Garrett Wilson, it's just, his ability to separate is fantastic. That first touchdown fade. I mean, he, he got open instantly and it was the easiest throw for, for Flacco in, in the uh, back end of the end zone there. His what the footwork was just, he just busted that dude out of his ankles. He's, it was awesome. It's, you know, it's, it's the mix of that. It's the route running. His route running is so clean. Um, I wish I had the specific play it was on, but I, I just have stud route runner. Like he, he is, he's just one of those, playmakers that is just all around polished and the catching ability i know he had that play where he gets pushed out of bounds and he I was hurts his back a little bit but like up. holy fuck that yep. was an amazing grab he i just, was literally jabs at the ball it's i was like grabbing all the people i'm watching with i'm like it, it's not a real catch but you gotta see this because it, it i mean it's, that's that spectacular spectacular catch ability like and that's what he brings to the table 
Yeah. So, so he's fantastic. And, and where I want to bring this to next with the offense is I Garrett Wilson far and away looked the best on the field is like game one to game two. Like you just saw it pop off the biggest improvement from game one to game two was uh, Mike LaFleur. The, the game that he called against Cleveland was so much better and it fits so much. It fit this version of the team so much better. I don't know if I said this before the show talking with you, or we said it already, but his ability to take a look at what the offense wasn't able to do in week one against Baltimore and just completely flip the script. It was just like you said, it was getting, you know, the end arounds and the pre-snap motion, getting Braxton Berrios some, some early touches. They were doing that. They were bringing guys in motion on literally every play. Like it, it was so much better in that aspect of just making things easier for the offense. We had five-step dropbacks for Joe Flacco, which is necessary when you That's, don't have an yes. offensive line. It's one of my notes in here, five-step dropbacks. Good. Cause you had been talking about that last week. It's like, Hey, maybe we can just never, not everything needs to be a three-step drop. I think right. week one, they went into it still with the Zach Wilson offense. And I think they looked at what Joe can't do compared to Zach Wilson and said, we're going to make this a lot easier. And it was the five-step dropbacks. It was quick passes. Um, so much motion, so much preset motion. Um, I thought their two minute drive to finish off the first half was a great mix in there. It was a lot of short intermediate throws. Bringing in the to run speak on that well for a second, Go that ahead. is something over the past two years that has really stuck out to me is like when the Jets kind of are in these two two minute scenarios, they have really succeeded. Um, and, you know, a, a lot of times that's been, you know, at the end of the first half and maybe maybe it didn't always like end with a touchdown. But but there have just been a lot of times just in my, I don't, you know, I'm just thinking back on it, my based on memory here, but it just seems like the, the, the way that they're able to kind of turn it on when they need to, you know, late in games when, when they need to make something happen and, and they do. And, and it's, that seems like a strength to me for Michael Fleur. And, and to speak a little about you're saying, you know, the adjustment from week one to week two, that is one thing we saw last year too, his ability to adjust even from first half to second half. You, you constantly saw, you know, they'd come out, throw a dud up in the first half, make some changes, do it in the second half, you know, and now it's kind of that step ahead. All right, let's make some adjustments before the game starts so that we yeah. can start off hot. Um, it was nice to see the Jets score 14 points in the first half. I mean, when's the last, yeah. last time that happened? Um, okay. My one complaint, I, the end arounds are important. So way I know too many of them, though. It was just so, like, it's like, dude, come like run a play it. where you're not starting 15 yards behind. I have I have a note here, Lafleur on one in the second half because there was one double end around where it, it ended up going back to the left side of the field, and I forget if it was Michael Carter that it went to or one of the receivers, but it ended up being like a seven yard loss. So yeah. I do agree he did overdo it a little bit at one point, but I also think like most of their successful plays were were on those designs, and it was the fake end arounds, it was the end arounds, and so it also I, did work like a decent amount. Of, a it's ton. not like they just kept trying to run end arounds and they didn't work. It's just that there was like a sec, there was a part where it was like three or four in a row that didn't work. The the teams that have the most success offensively in football over the last two or three years are the ones that run the highest percentage of pre-snap motion. It is the it, the best way to get an yeah. early edge on a uh, you know going up against a defense. So. I, it, it did get a little too cute in the second half 
but I think it was all based off of how successful it was for them um, in earlier parts of the game. So I really did like what I saw from LaFleur. Um, I also like that, you know, when we compare Zach Wilson and Joe Flacco, it's like Joe Flacco knows he's not immobile. So when a play is, is dead, he does give up on it. There were a few there where he just chucks it out of bounds. He's like, this ain't my play. So that's one thing that I, I like to see sometimes because, you know, there are, there were a ton of plays last year where Wilson extends and it, it ends up hurting the team a little bit more. So that's always nice to see. Um, let's see. Uh, I still, I still don't like all that said about the offense. I still do not love what I've seen from the offensive line so far. Um, I think they were better this week. I think that it was something that I was saying last week where I was comparing the Baltimore defense to the Cleveland defense is the Baltimore defense is just strength. And it's just, we have guys that are bigger than you. So we're just going to push you back. And they got pushed back. The offensive line for the jets held up in terms of strength. They were winning the strength versus strength battle, but there was still a lot of, um, I guess I want to single out a couple people. I don't want to say the offensive line as a whole was bad, but it's still the same thing. Max, Max Mitchell in the run game just isn't ready yet. I think he did very well in pass protection. He did very well going up against good edge rushers. Um, Fant, I don't like what he has looked like the last two weeks. Um, and he's going up against great defenses and great edges, but coming off of the expectations that I guess he had set for us last year, I'm a little underwhelmed in that aspect. Um, and then look, like I said, Miles Garrett, one of the best edges in football. Um, you know, one of the best guys out there, always up there for defensive player of the year. Um, and the Baltimore defense always throws guys there too. But I just, I haven't necessarily loved what I've seen so far. Running the ball guard to guard is still a little bit iffy. I think a lot Impossible. of their positive They don't plays, do it. They just yeah. run outside. The That's outside why they're running these tosses. And, and Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what, I guess... I'm just spilling out. I don't love what we've no, seen. No, yeah. The line, but what I, do you, think? you know, I think the line, obviously, I mean, my just played worlds better than they did week one. I think obviously yeah. a huge part of that was kind of the incorporations of like, hey, let's have Joe take a five step drop. And mm -hmm. as opposed to this three step drop, because if they did get some push, but overall, definitely, you know, better pockets, better, um, just like, you know, giving Joe Flacco a chance. I, I do. I understand where we're coming from with George Fant for sure. I mean, he was like consistently getting beat. Um, there was that play that forced the fumble with Joe Flacco. Um, there was another play, I think, later in the game where like it all, it was like about to happen again. And Joe Flacco just somehow got the ball out of his hands as a forward mm -hmm. pass. Um, you know, obviously, fan, we, we there's things to be worried about, but I, I do kind of give that benefit of the doubt of like it was Miles, uh, Miles Garrett, yeah. um, mm -hmm. and he's awesome. Sure. Uh, Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney both injured now going into next week for the Browns, so that's unfortunate. I didn't realize Garrett was, I know Jadavion yeah. was, but wow, yeah, um, I think something happened in practice yesterday or today, maybe that, that I heard about, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, you know, line. I mean, got to be like the weakness on this offense. If, if you're going to pick a spot, I, I think they looked a lot better and the Browns have a good defensive line, but a lot of the teams that we play have a good defensive line. Yeah, so, that's you know, hopefully this a lot of lines. unit can just kind of begin to mesh and, and get better um, and, and hopefully not go up against Miles Garrett all the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But I guess that's, just, oh, well, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. 
I'm going to kind of change off of the offensive line here, but yeah, overall offensively, kind of what I was getting at when I was talking about the skill positions earlier, you are really seeing like these, they are going to be able to move the ball. I mean, even in the second half when the Jets, um, you know, they didn't score until the last, other than the field goal, they didn't score until the last two minutes of the second half, but they were still moving the ball. And, and, and for me, the biggest, um, the biggest problem, the biggest thing that we need to clean up is simply just penalties. And that's on both sides of the ball, but just constantly we're shooting ourselves in the foot with, you know, a false start or a holding or, or just things where, where we had a good play and then it gets called back. And constantly in this game, the jets were, were playing from, you know, second and 10, second and uh third and 10 third and 15 second and 15 first and fifth like like constantly we were behind the sticks um which you know is a testament to the fact we were still able to get it done but it's just like that is not going to be sustainable when you're just getting penalty after penalty after penalty yeah and that was i wanted to 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 echo in with the penalties like i've been seeing this a lot um the first two weeks of the season False starts don't get called as much as uh, they yeah, used to. Yeah, what's up with that? Fant had like four, maybe, where I was just like, he's early. But then the Browns yeah. did two, and then no, we've seen it I've, across I've the league. I've seen it all across the league. Yeah, I I don't know if they jump. just like give him the benefit of the doubt sometimes with the snap. Um, it's, it's so weird. And, but and yeah, it, definitely, yeah. I've noticed that as well. That's and it odd. happened with Fant um, a lot. A, a ton. Like he'd be like um, a step back, it seemed. Yeah. Yeah. You always had, it was like, I think it's the first thing. Yeah. The first thing I have for the offense reps just don't want to call false start on fan. And I think that was, I think he might've had two in in their first drive. Um, The other thing that's always interesting with the NFL too, is when they implement new rule changes that they're going to like, Oh, we're going to emphasize that we're, you know, we need to enforce this rule better. Uh, The ineligible man downfield one is just getting harped across the NFL right now. And the Jets got called for, I think, four of those ineligible man downfield on, on passing plays. So an offensive Jesus. lineman just being like three yards down the field when he's not supposed to be. So that's one that before the season they came and they said, we're enforcing this one. We're actually we're, we're going to ramp it up. So they gave everybody a heads up. But, you know, it's one of those ones that it takes a while to get used to like, oh, what can we and can't we do? Right. Um, so that was a lot of the penalties there, too. But the defense had some terrible ones in there. There was a weird personal foul um on a on a punt return and I didn't get to see the full clip with the condensed game but it was like the Browns got their punt return I think it was on the drive before they Nick Chubb scored the touchdown I think someone just shoved someone okay because I didn't see it and then I just saw a personal foul and it moved him up 15 yards and I was like that but Yeah. yeah just a lot of dumb plays Salah hated a lot of the calls as well too he was furious with the refs for a good majority of that game yeah I um it was just like penalty after penalty for the Jets. It really did seem. And, and whether that's, you know, the refs or whether that's just, you know, the Jets having penalties, um, it needs to be cleaned up. With all that said, though, I, I, I think it is kind of like an indictment on how they were successful, because, like I said, they're constantly behind the sticks and they were still able to move the ball, still able to get first downs. Yeah. And I, I don't know their end. um the end stats, but at one point they were seven or seven for 10 on third down. Um, they were just really being, they were successful when they needed to be offensively. Um, and 
a lot of times, you know, like there, there were, there were that Garrett Wilson drop uh, on, on third and four when they really yes. needed it at the end of the game, you know, that hurt. And, and there, there were, I think was a Conklin drop. And then there were a few where there were penalties on third downs and things like that. And it's like, those things are killer for sure. But despite all that, the jets were able to move the ball. I guess that's what my point is overall. The offense looked like a functioning offense, even with Joe Flack. Did. They made necessary adjustments and, and, and that was what was really most important. Um, you know, and, and even without the kind of last two minutes of the game, um, obviously you'd like them to score more, but, but I do overall, I'm impressed with the offense. They were able to figure it out with Flacco. And again, you just think about if Garrett Wilson can really establish himself as the number one receiver, Elijah Moore is going to get more involved. Like he just is there. And especially when Wilson is back. Right. Is yeah. And, and with Garrett Wilson demanding more presence, more game planning. No, right. Yes. Um, But, but both of them and and Zach Wilson is going to look to Elijah Moore and, and, you know, he's been getting open and he's been run out. It's not like they've just said, okay, Elijah Moore is not the guy. He's still out there running, running around. It's one of those things where Elijah, one of his best strengths, isn't something that feeds into Flacco's arm strength. Like if Elijah's getting these great breakaway plays down the field, Flacco's strength isn't the deep ball these days. And if Zach Wilson can add that element in there, I mean, you're stretching defenses that much further at that point. So you're, you're dead Definitely. on with this. Where this offense can be if Zach Wilson is all hinges on Zach Wilson taking that step in year two. But when you look at the playmakers around him right now, we we still haven't given a shout out to the running back duo. Um, Brees Hall's one cut ability is, is so filthy. Oh. His 123 yard where he just cut right outside. It was either the linebacker or safety and just kept the play going. Um, yep. You know, Michael Carter is still every every game. He just impresses me with his ability so to elusive. just shed off guys like he is fantastic in that. So, yeah. yeah, you're looking at this offense and saying, you know, they're still in the young developmental stages with a lot of their pieces, um, you know, younger parts of the offensive line. You've got young wide receivers in there. You've got a young running back duo. If it gets to that point midway through the season where these guys are popping off, like it's going to be tough for this offense to not have success. When you take a look around the league now, and in my opinion, if I believe Zach Wilson is better than Tua Tungavailoa and he can throw for 469 and six touchdowns because he's got great playmakers around him, I'm not saying Zach Wilson's going to go out there and put up six touchdowns a game, but this is really setting up for a scenario where it should be the, what Robert Sala said. The team is winning because of everything around the quarterback and, and, and Zach doesn't have to elevate the team to wins. Um, so pretty yeah. exciting. If we can win with Joe Flacco, you know, hopefully we can hey, win with our number exactly. two overall you, pick. And you would hope it does to. kind of show you it like, like, all right, this is the minimum of what you have to be able to do, you know, be able to kind of stand in the pocket and find your open receivers and get rid of the ball. And then along with that, you know, add your ability to extend plays, add your ability to run around, add your amazing arm strength and your off platform throws and things like that. And then, you know, that ceiling really kind of you start to see it. Um, but yeah, I, overall, you know, like I said, at the beginning of this, it could have been a very different day feeling analysis in the snap of a finger, um, with the way that this game ended. And I guess let's just talk a little bit about the end of the game and then we can get into, uh, you know, next week and what we kind of think 
how we can keep this rolling. Hopefully <laughs> that's, that's the, the big storyline outside of, outside of, um, you know, all the good things we just talked about. We did talk about some of the bad things as well there too. The, the number of things that had to go the jets way for this to be a victory. And, and let's, and like you said, we are one play away on eight to 10 different occasions where we're saying the jets lose this one, 30 to 17, they're 0 and 2. And it's like you got Cincinnati coming up, they're 0 and 2 as well, too. Who knows? But it's still there, there's a big cloud if just 10 different things don't go their way. And so to just go over a few of those, I have a good majority of them written down here. Um, defensively, you know, in that final drive there, Kareem Hunt runs out of bounds with two minutes and 14 seconds left. If he doesn't do that, the play clock runs down to the two minute warning, fresh set of downs. They really can just kneel that out and get another first down. They're not that much further down on the field to where like a touchdown from Chubb is inevitable. He then does it a second time with two Oh one left. So you're also just, you keep buying the jets more time to get the ball back. Obviously the biggest one of them all is, um, is Nick Chubb running in for the touchdown. And that's something that players, you know, it, Yes, you can say, and that's been the big defense is like, oh, well, you, Nick Chubb would assume his team would be able to hold on to a 14 point lead with two minutes left in the game. Sure. But you know, what's a, a way to ensure 100% certainty, right. holding onto the ball, taking a knee and then kneeling the clock out. So there's two sides to that. Like, yes, I understand this hasn't happened since 2004, I believe is, is the last time that the, a game like this happened, but you could make sure it doesn't happen by just holding onto the ball and making sure the Jets don't even have a 1% chance of it happening. Yeah, and and that was kind of – it It was a really funny feeling because when when that play you're talking about where Kareem Hunt went out of bounds on uh, with two minutes, two seconds left, when that happened, in my head, I was like, okay, the game is going to be over because they're going to be able to to take – or maybe it was a different play. I don't remember. But they're going to be able to, like, take a knee – they're going to be able to do what they need to do. And then, and then all of a sudden, like, I literally was like, Oh, well, there it is. That's the game game's over. Like said it out loud. And then all of a sudden, you know, Nick Chubb goes in and then the gears start going and you're like, okay, well, he gave us a chance in theory. We could score, you know, get an onside kick score again. But you're like, I mean, that's not going to happen. Like how would that ever happen? Freaking the Jets get the ball back and on the second play of the drive are just gifted a touchdown. Broken Corey coverage. Davis just <laughs> busted. You see Flacco kind of like look up and then just like decide to throw. And then you see Corey Davis. And I kept being like, when's the safety going to come tackling yeah, out of bounds? And top. he just like walks in. <laughs> and so then you're sit- so, so basically no time, like obviously time went off the clock, but but it was like one 150 to like 130 and we've already scored a touchdown. And then you're really thinking you're like, Jesus Christ. Okay. Well, we, we just need an onside kick, but still you're like, what are the odds? The odds that you get an onside kick are so low, especially since the rule changes, but even, but even with the old rules, the, the, the odds that you get an onside kick are absurdly low and out comes Braden man, who's heard all the fucking criticism. Everyone wants us to cut him. Everyone wants us to fucking replace him. And what does he do? Does the sickest sidekick freaking, I'm going to go this way, then go this way, puts it in a perfect position where really only one Browns receiver can make a play. And I I would love to give the guy credit, but I'm blanking on who it was, but just perfectly kind of hits him 
Yeah. And, and then we get the ball and it was just like, holy, like it, it truly was as I was watching it, I was like, all these things just can't be going right. Like this doesn't make any yeah. sense, you know? And then they get the ball and, and, and like Robert Salas said, you know, he was kind of like, there was no way we weren't going to score that it's not how it felt, but that's kind of how it felt where it was like, all right, well, here we are at the 40 Momentum's there. able to move the ball. Yeah. Let's make this happen. And then, you know, who gets open our boy, Garrett Wilson, um, man, dude, it really was a magical fucking moment. There's even, there's, there's three or four more things in there that just, you know, helped them out so much. We didn't even mention Kate York mixed, missing an extra point, you know, <laughs> just like completely missing that one. I missed that. And when, oh, you, when we, when point? we were down yeah. six, I like looked, I'm like, wait, wait, this math doesn't make any sense. How are we down <laughs> six? And then I was like, yeah. oh, they missed an extra point. I didn't even see that. Like, yeah. So yeah, no, that was big. So misses that on, on the Nick Chubb touchdown, the, the offensive drive beforehand uh, for the jets. So this is before the Nick Chubb touchdown Conklin has a fumble and there's a Browns player that just completely misses it. Um, the Jets recover and they're able to punt and the drive starts a little bit further back. But you would assume, you know, the, the Jets at that point were at like the 12 yard line and there's still right. a few. The Browns left did here. end up scoring on that drive anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. With the Nick Chubb touchdown. But like with the time left and you get that, it, it that you don't know what the fallout of those plays are right. going to be like. So there's that one. Then, uh, you know, the missed extra point. Um, Two plays before the game-winning touchdown to Garrett Wilson, Flacco just almost gets a bad interception, like badly picked off. And it, yeah. I don't know, it's the quarterback yeah. that came down, the ball was underthrown, and you're just like, holy shit. So, like, obviously, I'm nitpicking here and just all the things that had to go right for them. But the point being, there is it is very fortunate that the jets walked out of Cleveland with a win there. It is. And, and some, and, and the NFL is very lucky and we'll, we'll play the results and we'll say that the, the jets are one and one here. The Browns are one and one, the Bengals that we're about to take on are Oh, and two. I say we, by the way, because uh, you know, I haven't even got to mention this yet. Jets fan for the rest of the year. As I, as I just let Giving the Colts up on sit the Colts. over there on the side, I'm just going to yeah, let them. Usually you mentioned the Colts by now. Why, gonna, why didn't I'm you gonna, this week? I'm going to let them. <laughs> tank for CJ Stroud. And then I'll start talking about them again. Um, but you know, I guess main point just being like, this is luck aside, a huge morale boost for the jets to not fall to Owen two, to not have the questions continue about, you know, okay, can we enter a game in the fourth quarter competitive because 30 to 17, they're not telling that story. It's, it's another game where 15 minutes left and it's not, they're not in it. Um, so they avoid all of that. And Teddy, they now head into an Owen two Cincinnati team. Um, albeit, I, I think we assume they're a little bit better than, than their record and what they've shown through the first two weeks, I guess, is there anything else that you want to wrap a bow on with the Browns before we talk about Cincinnati or are we ready to go? I don't think so. No, I, I'm, I'm ready to get into, I, I guess it, it really is just like, it, it's, it's, it's just like a perfect, the Browns game was just a perfect example of like the NFL really is this world where, you know, anything can happen. These crazy comebacks happen. And that's why, that's why it's like, as a Jets fan, it's like, all right, well get a fucking win because somehow, some way you can do it. And, and I guess only other thing I want to say is just, it is nice to see, you know, we had all these examples of these preseason games over the last two years where, where we're like winning in these crazy fashions and, and, you know, not showing any quit and not, not giving up and just making it happen when we need to, even you think back to like, I think it was week one last year against the Panthers. We didn't do anything. 
And then it's like a three possession game. And then all of a sudden at the end of the game, we are in it, you know, with a chance. And it's like, those are kind of those moral victories that it's like, yeah, well, but we still didn't get it done. And, and, you know, a lot of things had to go right for the jets this week, but at the end of the day, they did take those opportunities and capitalize on them and they got it done. And it's just fucking awesome. Now we get to play the Owen two Bengals. They got to stink, right? If they, if they don't have a win yet, that's just how that works. Yeah. They have good. to be, they have to we have a win. They and that's why the, so we're going to win. And that's why the giants are, you know, Super Bowl favorites at the moment. Right. Two and oh, exactly. New York Daniel giants. Jones, best quarterback in the, in the league. Yeah. <laughs> Not really. He sucks dick. <laughs> <laughs> he does he does he does but we're not here to talk about that we're yeah. here yeah that'll that'll be we'll get um a Sally on to talk maybe like five minutes of daniel jones after he gets cut because he went when he was up in town he was like gotta get me off for giants talk it's like well i know he's I'm always telling me not. that too um i just anyways, struggle Teddy, to care about the giants me too yeah moving i do love dave though, and saquon and odell maybe i do like the giants a little bit. <laughs> moving forward week three Jets hosting the Cincinnati Bengals. 0-2 Cincinnati Bengals that have looked pretty rough because it's not an 0-2 and they lost to the Chiefs and the Bills. They lose in overtime to the Steelers, 23-20. The Steelers that then looked lifeless against the Patriots in Week 2. Um, and then the Cowboys with Cooper Rush beat uh, Cincinnati despite a fourth-quarter comeback from Joe Burrow. Uh, Greg Marr, I believe, is still the kicker there now. Hits, a, I think, a 52 or 53-yarder to beat the Bengals in Dallas 20-17. to 17. So, you know, we're looking at the schedule before the season, and I've talked about, man, it looks really rough. You've got the AFC North, really competitive division. You know, Cincinnati, eight months ago, is in the Super Bowl against the Rams, albeit a lucky, you know, a, a lot of things went their way to get there. Uh, but now they're sitting here 0-2. And, Teddy, I'm going to start off with a question to you. Would you rather be facing a 2-0 and Bengals team in this moment or an 0-2 Bengals team in this moment? <laughs> I did not expect that question, <laughs> and I don't like it because yeah, I've been thinking about this a lot because it really does – these this Bengals team is 0-2. It really yeah, does great. feel like they're backed into a corner, and it feels like this is absolutely a game that they need. And, I mean, listen, I'm a Jets fan, and I think the Jets are not the same old Jets. But you look at – the Bengals versus the Jets. You're telling me this doesn't seem like a get right game for them. Like, like it, it, it wouldn't shock me if, um, you know, the Bengals come out here and just kind of blow them out. Um, just cause they, it, it wouldn't shock me if they came out with just a lot of fucking oomph and urgency. Um, but at the same time, I do think the reason they're owing to is cause they do definitely have their weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we've seen those weaknesses and I think the number one has been their offensive line. You know, what's Burrow got 13 sacks already on the year. Yep. Most um, of the league. So, you know, it, to me, it's, it's scary because there's that sense of urgency. The Bengals are, are so explosive, but I, I do kind of feel like the jets match up well. Um, and I think that I guess before I get into like analysis, number one key to the game is simply, can our defensive line get some pass rush against, you know, this bad offensive line that's been bad so far? Um, because number one, if we can't, that doesn't look too great on how well we, we are and stack up against the league, but it's just like, we should be able to be able to get to the quarterback. Um, so I don't know. That's what I'm like most worried about, I guess, like most 
that's what I'm thinking about. Yeah, if if the Jets have the ability, if the Jets are going to, you know, get off to a two and one start with wins over the Browns and the Bengals here, uh, this one in week three is needs to be won by the defensive line. Um, there is no way around that. I, I think we can move to the Jets offense versus the Bengals defense in a little bit, but you're you're dead on. The, the two biggest matchups are, are on the defensive side, and it's can the Jets defensive line keep Joe Burrow in the pocket, provi- you know, prevent him from extending plays, and actually bring him down. You need to put him on the ground. He's been sacked 13 yes. times. You cannot walk in there with two sacks like you had last week against Jacoby Brissett. You need to get the quarterback down. And then the second one is can you do that quick enough before Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd break through in the secondary. Because as much as I do like what we've seen from this, this younger corner room, that is one of the toughest trio of receivers in all of football. Uh, Jamar Chase is one of the best receivers in all of football. Um, and I, I can like what I've seen from Reed, and I can like what I've seen from Sauce. But up to this point, the best receiver they face is Amari Cooper. And even he got open, you know, his fair share against the against the Jets last week. So it's it's going to be so, so important to get home on Joe Burrow, because the more time that you provide for one of those receivers to get open, that is the way that Burrow is going to get things done. Now, fortunately, when you take a look at how it's gone the last two weeks, they haven't had the time to do that. You know, the the Steelers defensive line was all over Burrow in week one and Micah Parsons absolutely destroyed them in week two. So whether it's going to be a guy or a collective effort that steps up in week three, the defensive line needs to get Joe Burrow down if they want any chance to limit what this offense is. Yeah, 100 percent. And you what did we talk about at the beginning, kind of like with where this this defense biggest weakness so far, it's still been that lack of pass rush. And I'll tell you something, if Joe Burrow's allowed to stand back there for three, four, five seconds, he's going to make plays. And Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd are going to get open. And then you pair that with the fact that, oh, hey, they have a pretty good running back in Joe Mixon. Um, yeah. who could who could gash you? So in no way. I don't, I don't think this is how any Jets fans feeling, but in no way am I like coming off a one and one win and the <laughs> Bengals are 0-2 and I'm like, we're going to win this game. In, yeah. in no way is that how I feel because at the end of the day, I do. It, it's just funny because it's like, I think the Bengals are pretty good and I think they're probably going to bounce back and end up being fine. And here they are playing my Jets in week three when they're 0-2. You know, it's just kind of like, well, I hope they suck one more week, but I, I do yeah. think at the end of the day, they're a good team. Um, also yeah. adding in for these guys that this was the most embarrassing loss for them last year. And I know that you there's every game matters just as much, but you do have that. I mean, we saw the bills absolutely tear apart the Titans on Monday night football a year prior, they lost on the, the final play of the game at the one yard line. It's one of those where the Titans, you know, took that win. They went on their ride to the one seed in the AFC. It's not like the games matter different, but there's a certain motivation to certain teams Definitely. that you're playing against in Cincinnati backed into a corner now is playing, you know, one of their most embarrassing losses from the year before. So there's, there is some sort of like, this is the perfect situation for them to get right. Um, yeah. As you were and talking about with the, go ahead. I just want to, let's be clear about this. Oh, and two, uh, and two start the, the Bengals have looked absolutely atrocious in the first Terrible. half of both their games. I think they had three points in both of them and yeah. Yeah. in both of their games, they were in it at the end. Sure. They didn't win. They didn't get it done. They didn't do enough, but, but you know, this team's got a lot of fight. They're able to be successful and Joe Burrow, you know, he's had a kind of shaky season, but he's that dude and he doesn't get 
rattled at all. So if there's one guy I'm scared of kind of like that, like revenge game, like, like, uh, you know, like Joe Burrow, I most certainly is, is talking about not only the own two start, but the fact that they lost to the jets last year. Um, so, so definitely, I mean, the jets are in for a fight, but let's not forget the key to this game is the defensive line. Carl Lawson revenge game, revenge game, press the revenge game button. Um, so that'll be fun. I, I mean, hopefully what I want to see this weekend is sacks. That's what I'm most, and sacks, I'm also sacks, excited. Sex, sex, sex. No. And I'm also <laughs> excited for, um, you know, these wide receiver DB matchups as you brought up, cause it is going to be fun just to see how sauce and DJ Reed can kind of hang around. Um, but, but yeah, the, the, the D line absolutely has to show up if the jets want to want a chance in this game. And I think that's really as far as the analysis needs to go, at least defensively. There's one more thing that that I want to say about the defense in terms of what we've seen from them so far going back in the last year. It's something we've talked about earlier on this episode. Um, tackling is a problem. Hmm. And when you have four guys like you just mentioned, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and Joe Mixon out of the backfield, you could tell me the Jets play a great defensive game, but there are just three breakaway plays that go for 60 yards and a touchdown, and the Bengals end up winning this one by 10 points. Like, that would not surprise me that the Jets did a great job for 90% of the game, but it's a missed tackle by, you know, Quincy Williams or Jordan Whitehead over, um, you know, over asserts himself and, and misses on a, a play. Like it could be one of those games because in Cleveland, it's a little bit different because yes, the running backs are great and they did most of the work, but outside of Amari Cooper in the passing game, there isn't a ton of guys that really are going to make dudes miss after they got the ball in their hands. They have got playmakers all over that field for the Cincinnati offense. So the tackling needs to show up. And I, that's something that you just, you, you need every week, but we haven't seen it from the jets and they need to be more consistent against a team that is going to have that many options um, to, to give the football to. Yeah. Well, let's move over to the offense. Yeah. You know, who's played the Bengals 20 times up until now, Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco. So maybe <laughs> that knows. gives us, maybe that gives us some, some, uh, no, it actually probably doesn't that was the funny all. thing is like, he had an insane record against Cleveland in his time with the Ravens too. And everybody was talking Did about he that. After he beat, oh my God. He destroyed him as a Raven. Oh my God. Oh, against Cleveland. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. They were like horrible that his whole career right. there. Exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess let, let's start here. What do you think of this Bengals defense? I mean, are they great? Are they average? Mediocre? They're average. I think they've got great – they've got good players, uh, but they've also got ones that you can easily expose. I mean, the guy that became the the joke of the playoffs last year was Eli Apple, and he's had a, a an interesting career because it seems like everywhere that he goes um, – the fans of the team – he's one of those guys where, like, on your team you love him until you don't too because he makes some pretty bad plays. But then everybody else kind of just ends up hating him because of his personality. But, no, they've they've not only drafted well, they've added guys in free agency well. I like their front four. Sam Hubbard was an Ohio State guy with a third-round pick that's come on and has, has, you know, overperformed his role. I think he's the guy that has come in and replaced Carl Lawson uh, since he came to the Jets. They then go and sign Trey Hendrickson that offseason that they lose Lawson. A guy that's a high sack dude was great in New Orleans. Um, they're a little weak at linebacker. And then, yeah, the, the secondary, they've got good safety play, but I, I don't love the corners all that much. Chijobi Awuzie is fine. Eli Apple, we were just talking about. It's it's a fine defense. And, you know, they've 
the thing is they've yet to really play an offense that could really be called explosive. I don't think we're calling Pittsburgh or Dallas at the moment, like a top tier offense. And I'm not going to say that the jets are either, but I might almost say that, no, I'm not going to say that because at least the Cowboys have CD lamb and, and a couple of running backs. I don't know. Is this the toughest offense <laughs> that they've faced so far this year? I don't think so. I, I don't think I, so. Pittsburgh's got good receivers, but they've got bad quarterback play. No, I mean, it's not the Jets have a better offense than Pittsburgh. And I mean, you can say with Russian Dallas, it's just hard to be like the best offense that they've faced all year. I mean, who knows to me by much, if anything, I'm really that analysis. It makes me really interested to just see, you know, kind of what the Jets game plan is going to be um, as well as where the, the pass rush split comes down um because i mean this jets offense joe flacco has over 100 uh attempts most in the league and like over 600 yards because obviously um it's just like that's not like ideal you know you don't want to have to be winning games throwing the ball 60 times 50 times um and the league is almost turned into though no it's true it's true but it's also interesting just because like obviously Uzama, um, CJ Uzama was hurt last week, which led to kind of less 12 personnel, probably changed the game plan, which I think helped help the Jets out a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm interested to see kind of where that falls if Uzama's back, where that's gonna land. I really would love to see the Jets get something going on the ground um and be able to kind of run the ball and say, Hey, this is what we want our identity to be. Let's establish that a little bit. Um, but you know, it does just kind of seem like where the jets are going to exploit this defense is through the air, you know, is kind of with our outside receivers. Um, and that's what we've kind of been successful at so far, but it's not like we've been poor running the ball. I guess we just haven't really had the opportunity to do it as much as we wanted. Yeah. The middle of the offensive line just hasn't been moving, moving the football. Um, like we were saying earlier in in the Browns game, a majority of their successful run plays, whether it be end around or getting the running backs to the outside was, you know, by going on the outside of the offensive line into the, the, those open spaces. So the jets, I I really would love to see the trio of AVT McGovern and, and um, Tomlinson actually start to move guys and compared to Cleveland and Baltimore, this should be easier to do. It's DJ Reader, it's BJ Hill, good guys, but not like all you know world beaters. And it's not like they're the most massive guys that Baltimore has, and they're not freak athletes that you're worried about in in Cleveland as well, too. So, you would hope the interior parts we can start to get a little bit of that run game going. Um, but yeah, obviously, and and to I guess counter myself what I was saying earlier like I know NFL has changed into passing 55 times a game gets you a win but that's most of the time when you have a Josh Allen or a Patrick Mahomes and not a 37 year old Joe Flacco so you're right the Jets do want to have a more balanced offense because I think they're not elite enough at the quarterback position as funny as it is to to say that Joe Flacco isn't elite I mean he is but he is. um but you know you're right to me the offense I want to just see what I saw last week obviously you can't do the same exact thing but that is the recipe for winning with Joe Flacco at this moment. It is giving him time in the pocket with five-step dropbacks. It is motion, motion, motion before the play. It is end arounds. It is getting the ball out to your playmakers. I, to be honest, like I know they want to be a run first team. If Uzama's back, I still want to see more 13 personnel. Like I, I, I just want to see, or sorry, 11, 11 personnel. personnel, 11 yeah, personnel. I agree. I want to see three receivers out there because it just gives them the easiest point of attack. And if you, when you hunch in and you allow a defense to kind of break in that way, 
it doesn't matter if you're going to be able to fool them on play action if you can't protect the quarterback on play action. And if it's a rollout as well, too, and you've got a 37-year-old rolling out, it's a lot different than Zach Wilson rolling out. So until Wilson is back, I do want to see this more spread offense where it's I agree. Flacco's got enough time and the playmakers have enough time as well too to, to hopefully break through a, a, a mediocre secondary uh, in Cincinnati. Blake. Anything else? Yeah, go right ahead. You want to go into predictions? I that's what I was gonna ask you. So let's let's do it. So right now, the the last I just checked, the line has moved down. The Cincinnati opened up, I believe, as a six-point favorite. Um, and up to People this point, it's, the now down to, it's down to five. So so now the, the Bengals come in five point favorites. The over-under is 45. Give me your breakdown through the game. How do you how do you see this one rolling out? This is a tough one, um, you know, again, just because the Bengals, like I said before, it, it really does seem like the Jets match up well here. I mean, obviously, you don't want to say that, like, our DBs can hang with Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, who are, who are great and some of the best in the league, but that is kind of the strength of the defense is the cornerbacks, and you hope this D-line can start to get pressure against this bad offensive line. Um, and then you mix that with the fact that, you know, I think the offense will be able to move the ball. I don't know. I worry about the Jets. I do just because I think this kind of feels like the Bengals are going to come out here and win. Yeah. But I'm taking the Jets at <laughs> least to cover, at least to cover. Okay. Plus six, take plus the five. Yeah. The if I don't know, this is hard, dude. I'm taking the Jets. The Jets are going to win this game because the Bengals are still going to look bad. And the Jets are going to win 23 to 17. I think that was so my on prediction the under. last week. So on the under for the game. That was my prediction last week, 23-17. But I think it was too. That's my prediction. But if the Bengals win, the score will probably be like 41 to 3. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. It, look, I, I, it, it is tough because – all you can do two weeks in is play the results. And it's, it's funny because you're like, well, they lost to Dallas and we don't think they're good. They look terrible in week one with Dak Prescott. Then they lost the week before to Pittsburgh, who looked awful in week two. But if we're going to flip that with the Jets two at one and one, they just beat the Browns very luckily. And the Browns barely beat the Panthers and the Panthers lost to the Giants and are the Giants a good game. two and oh. You start playing this game where you're just like, who is good and who isn't? At the end of the day, I'm going to stick with just what I think is a good team here and what team I believe needs this more at the moment. I know that the Jets need to go two and one. Like, I understand that. But um, Cincinnati is is all the world desperate at this moment to get a win, especially, you know, look, Cleveland at some point gets Deshaun Watson back. Pittsburgh, they're going to be at least average. And Baltimore at some point is going to get better as well, too. So the division, they're still looking at this like we're not far out right now. It's kind of like the Colts. I might be over on the season at them at 0-1-1. and We're second in the division just by a half game. So it's really not that far apart for us. I'm going to go with the Bengals get right game here. Um, it pains me because I, I just love the momentum that the Jets have, and I feel like it's going to fall a little bit short here. I am going to go with a 31-20 uh, to 20, uh, game here. That's going to be my final score prediction. I do think the Jets will be able to move the ball and get points up there. Um, and and I maybe it's one of those where, like I said, it could just be – this game is is a tie game, if not for a breakaway Joe Mixon touchdown run and a Jamar Chase play where it's just like he's 
the best player on the field. So it doesn't matter. Like it's one of those games to me where maybe the jets are competitive for the majority of it. But at the end of the day, the Bengals have the playmakers. The jets have playmakers, but right now the Bengals have the established ones. Um, I think the offense is going to look just fine. I don't think we're going to take a look at this as a step back necessarily from the Cleveland game, because a lot of those points came in very weird circumstances. Um, I think it'll be long sustained drives. Maybe they get stopped for a few field goals. I'm going to go Bengals get right game 31 to 20 over the Jets. Yeah, I don't hate it. It, 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 I mean, listen, I'm probably always going to pick the Jets, but yeah, I don't blame you, (laughs) but it it really does feel, it feels like a Bengals win, but again, it's like you think the last week, I mean, everyone's like, Oh, they're playing the the Cowboys who are dead in the water with get right and somehow, you know, they come out with a win. So obviously anything can happen. Um, I do just think week three, you know, this is kind of where obviously, you know, the sample size grows every week of, of these games, but, but we will start to kind of understand a little bit better where the jets are going to kind of fall in. Um, and, you know, mm-hmm. obviously things change so drastically, but it to, to be able to watch them number one against the worst offensive line, number two against the worst defensive line. I think that's going to be important because so far, yeah kind of our excuse has been like our excuse for the O-line has been we're playing great D-lines and our excuse for the D-line has been um, we're playing pretty good offensive lines. So mm-hmm. I think that is definitely like major key to watch is just how do we, um, how do our lines perform in the trenches? Are we able to kind of have some control of this game or do we just kind of get washed? Um, and then I think it's, you know, same thing with the secondary is like how good actually can this sec- can these cornerbacks be um, and how good can this defense be? Because like you said, the best receiver we've played so far is Mark Cooper and he just had 100 yards. Um, and and these guys with are, Jacoby Brissett as his quarterback. Are great. And, and you think about the Ravens. Yeah, they're a great team. Great offense for sure. Just put up, you know, a 35, 40 point game, whatever it was. They don't have a lot of playmakers, you know, don't have a lot of good running backs. We were able to kind of contain them in the, in the ground game. So there's, you know, I'm not really a predictions guy. I'm a, I can't wait to figure (laughs) this out guy (laughs) after I watch it, you know? Um, But, but so there's a lot, I think we're just going to learn about where the jets are, at least at this moment in terms of their talent, um, which I'm excited for, because truthfully, you know, if if I don't see Carl Lawson having a big game, that's going to bother me. If, if, um, if George Fant isn't able to kind of hold his own against, you know, less of less explosive guys, you know, with Trey Hendrickson, who just they don't really have that kind of like insane skill set that Miles Garrett had or who who yeah. who's the uh, Ravens defensive end? I've been trying to think. Well, they kind of just have a lot of young guys at this point. Yeah, they, they who drafted, just, who are dominating. Um, yeah, I'm trying to even think because they've lost. Is Calais Campbell there? He's in the middle. Um, if he's still okay. playing, he might yep, be retired. Yep, yep. I'm going to pull it up real quick and we'll get their their depth chart in here. I've got it right here. It is, um, and it's going to pay me because there's one guy that was a rookie a couple of years ago. So Calais Campbell is in the middle. It's Odafe Owe, uh, who his name was Jason during the draft. If you're like, who the fuck is that? So Odafe Owe, Justin Matabuke was a uh, defensive tackle originally out of Texas. So I guess he's moved to the outside, but um, yeah, not, no, no great names there, but they're always just good and physical. That's what it is. It's just pure strength. They just, they don't even care about like your pass rush skills. As long as you are a big motherfucker, they'll take you. Um, But no, you're, you're the point that you're making is right. This is kind of the opposite team of what we've seen the last two weeks where the other ones were just built around 
good offensive lines and defenses and the skill players, I guess were fine. And I'm like, I said, I'm not trying to bash on the run game, but the run game is a lot different than elite playmakers in the passing game because of the way the league is played. Now, now we're getting a situation where it's like an actual, like, you know, legit passing offense with a shaky line and a shaky defense. So now we'll have seen after this week, we'll have seen the jets kind of take on a bunch of different forms of, of NFL teams. So you're right. We'll see where they stack up. Um, and, and, you know, as we get into the next stretch with Pittsburgh coming up with Zach Wilson, potentially coming back as well too, then Denver, green Bay, Miami, Buffalo, like we're going to, we're, you're right. Week three, we're really going to start to get a good idea of like where this team stacks in the league. Yeah. And, and I guess, I mean, we're kind of just like wrapping up here. This is usually yeah. where we like to just, you know, throw every thought that we have out, but just, just to add some more optimism here, I guess, um, this there is definitely a get, get right game for the Bengals, but but it is it's like their issues are the same issues they had last year, you know, and and they were able to kind of put everything together at the end of the year last year and throughout the playoffs and into the Super Bowl. But up until, you know, week 16, like this is kind of what their offense was, where it was like a little bit underwhelming. Their offensive line was horrible. Burrow's getting sacked a lot. And when we think about just what one of the main reasons we're so excited about this Jets team is like, I feel like they should have a really good defensive line. So I guess just to say again, it's like, I really need to see this defensive line do something this week. Or like, I, I'm, I really think we're going to have problems. And and you've mentioned this beforehand too, like, and you just said a couple minutes ago, but like, I, I, I would like to see a big loss in game at yeah. one of these points. Yeah. Um, but from the Definitely. line, itself and he, as well too. He did. I don't want to take away from him because, you know, he was getting pressures last week. He, he yeah. was in on the first sack. The second sack was his. That's awesome. You know, carry that over. But number one, you just want to see that more consistently throughout the game. You want to see other guys being able to get home. Um, and yeah, you, we just, we, we, you know, like, like we kind of said, or like everyone was saying last week, you know, it, it's, we need these results like Carl Lawson, uh, it's game two, not too much pressure, but, but your thing has always been QB pressures, but they didn't really translate to the sacks numbers. Let's get those sacks. Let's rack them up. You know, let's, let's be part of the, the, the last two teams who were just able to, to bury Joe Burrow, you know, like let's yeah. go out there and freaking do it again. And Oh shit. The Bengals are and three. Like they're really struggling. They just lost to the jets. You know, that's what I would like to happen this week. Um, of course. I think the opportunity is there for the taking, but don't be surprised if next week when you see me, I'm a little sad. <laughs> it's okay. We can't we can't be too sad. I think I think this Browns win has to hold us over at least until the oh, Green De Bay Denver area. Dude. And that's so important too. Remember last week I said, I said it just sucks because you have to wait like a whole nother week just to like have a chance. Like this is like a free week. It's like, yeah, we're on we're on a win. You can't mess with me. Yeah, you guys didn't lose 24 nothing to Jacksonville. Yeah, dude, what the fuck? All right. We don't we're not gonna talk now about it. Now we're breaking here. into our new yeah. podcast, the NFL what Chasing Andrew Luck. <laughs> chasing yeah. chasing Andrew Luck. Please come Bring me back, back to the good old days. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if Andrew right. Luck could survive these days anymore. He's he's looking a little frail, that's for sure. Yeah. Oh, all right. Well, that is gonna wrap us up for today. Just to reiterate those predictions, there are 23-17 win for the New York Jets from Teddy. I'm gonna go with a what What's the over under again? 20, 45. You're going to change like it for the game. over? No, it feels no, like no. an under game. Okay. I, I, the the Bengals I, are feels, a very feels like under an under heavy game team. To me. 
Yeah. The, if, if they're going to get I'm right, worried about the Jets right defense after last week. I'm, I'm worried yeah. about the Jets secondary. I'm worried about uh, Burrow kind of just picking us picking apart. Them. Yeah. 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 <sighs> well, we'll see. We'll, we'll find see. out. We'll be back. We'll find out. Thank you guys so much for listening. Follow us on Twitter at NYJ underscore chasing 69. Same with YouTube. Teddy at Teddy Huncho. I'm at Blake Andrew Pace. And follow my work at Sports Illustrated as well, too. Thank you all. We'll see you next week. Peace.